How many know uh, what's in 100 days? Christmas. A hundred days from today. Yes, I love Christmas. I am a, listen, I'm telling you, we can kick Halloween to the curb, okay? I don't give, uh, I'm like, the day Halloween's done, put up the Christmas tree, put on some Nat King Cole Christmas music, light a Christmas candle, okay? Now, for some of you, when you heard that it was 100 days of Christmas, you started to hyperventilate, okay? All right? Or a hot flash flew over yourself, okay, real quick. You're like, 100 days? Oh, God, what are we going to do, you know? What's, the reason is there's so much pressure to get the right gift for somebody, right? Okay? We spend months at stores. We spend months at quaint little boutiques, and we are online for days. I mean, I can't tell you how many hours I will spend online scrolling through page after page and website after website. Why? Because I want to find the most unique, perfect gift for the people that I'm buying for. I want a gift to say to them, I know what you're interested in. I know what your desires are. I know what you want. I'm a gift person myself, so I love giving good gifts. But there's a lot of pressure in Christmas, okay? Now, at Christmas, on that day, when that day finally comes, okay, I, I feel like every year it's like a finish line. It's like when you get past Christmas morning, you're like, oh, thank you, God. I can breathe. Thank you, Jesus, unless you're looking at your credit card bill after, after Christmas, okay? But there's either two responses on Christmas morning. So I want to show you, I want to show you one response this morning, okay? Go ahead and play that video, okay? <laughs> These are awesome. Benny, what are those? Space Jam. Oh, you knew, huh? Oh, and we get these. Awesome. And we get these. <laughs> Yay! Listen, Michael was smelling and licking the bottom of his shoes, okay? I mean, isn't that what we're hoping for every Christmas? Every single present you open up is that that moment, okay? Or a moment, you know, like when you give somebody a gift and, like, they don't even talk. And it's just like a tear rolling down their face. And you're like, yes, we nailed it. Greatest Christmas ever, you know? Okay, so that's, that's one response. There's another response, okay? The response when you get a Christmas mug... On Christmas Day, okay, this happened to me. This is not my Christmas mug. This is Brenda Chenoweth's Christmas mug, okay. But I, I received a Christmas mug. I think I was, ah, I think I was 19 or 20 years old. I got a Christmas mug, and I was like, cool. Like, is there supposed to be like a roll of money inside of this like Christmas mug? You know, like. Did the money, like, fall out, you know? At least put some candy in this mug, you know what I mean? I mean, like, I'm 19. I'm like, what the crap do I do with a Christmas mug, you know what I mean? I'm like, anybody want the mug? But the, your response 
Your response is what? Your response is like, thank you, I think, you know. I, I don't really know what to do with this Christmas mug. Like, I don't drink coffee, like, you know, like, I don't drink booze anymore. I don't know. What do I do with this Christmas mug now? So there's these two great responses that happen on Christmas morning. Now, I thoroughly believe this, that God gives us gifts in the word of God. And there's a lot of times that we hear the word of God and we see the gift, but we go, what do I do with this? What do I do with this gift? I don't understand this gift. I don't know what to do with this gift. And how am I supposed to rejoice? How am I supposed to be thankful? How am I supposed to be excited about this gift? Let me, let me show you an example, okay? We're going to go all over the Bible today. We're going to be all over it, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. This is out of Amplified. It says this. But all these things are from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus, making us acceptable to him. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation so that, so that by our example we might bring others to him. Verse 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. Okay? goes on to say this. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20. So we are ambassadors of Christ. And, and through God, we are making his appeal, uh, we're making his appeal through us. We as Christians represent, plead with you on the behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Verse 21, he has made Christ who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that in him we would be the righteousness of God. Now, growing up in church, I would go, wow, that was really pretty. And that sounded really nice. But I think a lot of times we read a verse like that and we're thinking, man, will you just talk about something I care about? Will you talk about something else? Because I don't, I don't understand that. What is the ministry of reconciliation and why am I an ambassador? Am I an ambassador to a foreign nation or something? You know, like. Like, what is God really talking about? What is righteousness? Why, why does this matter to me at all? It's like a gift that God is giving us, but this passage of the Bible is almost like a Christmas mug to us. We're like, cool, thanks. Hope next week's better. Right? Because I, I don't know what to do with this. I, I, do I put it on a shelf? You know, like, do I just make sure everybody can see it in the house? And so a lot of times God's giving us gifts, but we have no idea what to do with them. It's like, it's like this, okay? Last week we talked briefly about this, okay? Our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to behold Jesus, Okay? The more I behold Jesus, the more I become and look like Jesus, okay? 
But again, we're looking at this word, behold. You're like, what the heck is behold? And what do I behold? And, and how do I do this? And what does this really look like? So today, I really believe this. I firmly know in my heart of hearts, if you grab onto what I'm talking about today, you are going to walk out of this room with so much joy, so much victory, so much life, and you are going to feel like a brand new person. Promise you. Promise you. Okay? So let's try to walk through this. Okay? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. Okay? Verse 1 says, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Verse 2, live life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He has made us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us as a pleasing aroma to God. Verse 3, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, greed among you. Such sin has no place among God's people. Verse 4. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse joking, put me in this category, okay? Seriously, just, just label me, okay? It says they're not for you. Instead, let there be thanks, thankfulness to God. Verse 5. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person will enter the kingdom of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Pretty heavy talk. Okay? Colossians chapter 5. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So all, all of a sudden, we have more passages that we're like, what do we do with this? Because as soon as I read these passages, what happens? All of a sudden, we realize God's standards are pretty high. We understand that God's standards are pretty great. And all of a sudden, you start looking inside of yourself, and you start thinking about last week and last month and last year, and all of a sudden, you start thinking, whoa, 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 if this, if this is what it means, then I'm not going to heaven. How am I ever going to get to heaven? How am I ever going to see Jesus? I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to make it. So what is the point? And this is the perfect reason why I walked away from church growing up. I looked at my pastor every Sunday, and I was like, man, you are the most, the, the thing that I think of Jesus. When I, when I think of Jesus, I think about my pastor. And he was sweet, and he had white hair, and he gave me a huge hug every week. But I looked at him, and I thought, I will never be like you. So what's the point? And when we read these scriptures, we think, what's the point, God? What do I do with this? How, how, how is this possible? But this is why 2 Corinthians is so beautiful and why it's such a gift. But if we don't understand the gift, we can't process the gift, and we can't be rejoicing in the gift, and we can't apply the gift to our life. Even though I, don't, I didn't want a Christmas mug, 
a Christmas mug is still good. I can put good drinks in the Christmas mug. I could fill the Christmas mug up with some great apple cider. And that apple cider will make me really happy on a cold day, right? I could put some hot chocolate into my Christmas mug. And I could have a great Christmas moment with my boys and tell them that Santa's coming. You know what I mean? Like, the Christmas mug is good. I just don't know how to use it. So what is 2 Corinthians Verse 21 really, really is saying to us, okay? It's saying this, verse 21. He made Christ who knew no sin. Here's God coming to earth, wearing flesh, and he does nothing wrong. And then it says this. To be sin on our behalf. So what what does that mean? It means that God took all of your sin, past, present, future, and he put it into Jesus. So here's Jesus on the cross bearing all of your junk. All of my junk. And it says this, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. See, God is righteous, and he is pure, and he is blameless. And I know in our minds, we have a running list of our failures. We have a running list of our problems. We have a running list of our sin habits. We have a running list of stuff. And so when we come into Sunday morning and we're like, come on, God is good and God is great. Let's all worship the Lord. What do we do? We kind of just give God a half praise. Because we just feel like, how can God perfectly love me today? How? Because of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Okay? It says this, that we would be made right and acceptable in him. Right relationship with him. So because of what Christ does on the cross, righteousness comes abound to who? You. The sons and daughters of Christ Jesus. When you accept Jesus, you put on his righteousness. And I don't know how to explain this because my futile mind can't understand it. But I don't know how to explain it other than what the word says, that the Bible says that God looks upon Josh and sees no wrong. None. Problem is the enemy remembers. Problem is our minds remember. So what is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, verse uh, 21? It is like a beautiful musical being played out before you. I love going to plays. I don't know if that sounds, you know, manly or not, but I do, okay? I love watching a play. I love watching people 
doing the very best. And these people get on stage and they're, they're running and they're jumping and they're dancing. And I'm like, oh, God, if I could ever dance, you know what I mean? And they're singing at the same time. And I'm like, how do you sing and dance and run and spin all at the same time? But at the same time, it's like I cannot take my eyes off of that performance. They are glued. They're stuck. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.21 is for me. It's like a beautiful performance being played out before me. And I'm like, oh, so, so God is saying that I'm righteous? I don't feel it. It's a lot of days I'm just so frustrated at myself. There's a lot of days I'm so frustrated with, with my character and my nature and my flesh, and I feel the fight inside of me between God's nature and my nature, and they're fighting against each other, and they're warring. And I'm like, am I really righteous? But this verse, this beautiful verse declares you and I are righteous, not because of us, because of him. Because of him. So what does this mean? Because I'm righteous that I just live and do as I please? Do I just, you know, live in sin and live in immorality and live in lust and live in all this stuff because Jesus died and I am righteous? No, this isn't, that's not where we're going. Philippians verse 2, chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. This is Paul. He says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Look at your neighbor and say, walk it out, okay? Just look at him and say, walk it out, walk it out, okay? Walk it out, okay? So if, if I come and I give you something, okay, when, when I gave my boys those shoes, okay, I never intended for my boys to take those shoes and go, you know, Dad, we're, we just love these shoes so much. We're just going to put them in the closet. We're never going to wear them. We're actually, our feet are going to grow, and we're going to outgrow them, and we're never even going to know what it feels like to put these shoes on. We're never going to know what it's like to play basketball in these shoes. We're never going to know what it was like to experience these shoes. Dad, we're just going to put them in the closet. This is what Paul is saying to us. He's like, listen, God's giving this great gift of righteousness and salvation in him. Now you've got to put him on and you've got to walk it out. You've got to know what it feels like to have Jesus in you. You've got to know what it feels like to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You've got to know what it feels like to know what it really, truly feels like to wake up in the morning and go, I am the righteousness of Christ. I don't care what the enemy says today. I don't care what I did last week says to me. I am righteous because God has made me righteous, and he loves me today, and he is for me today. You got to walk it out. You got to know what it actually feels like. So how do we have victory in Jesus? How? How do we stop gossiping? How do we stop lying? How do we stop dealing with lust and greed? Remember that word greed that kept coming up, that idolatry? It means this, to pursue objects, money, sex, power, passions of the heart. Because the reality is this, we all go this, I've accepted Jesus, I love Jesus, and I come to Elevate Church, but my life doesn't feel a whole lot different. Right? That was me growing up in church. 
that was me for a long time as a pastor. I accepted Jesus. I love Jesus. I asked my uh, oldest son, Michael, the other day. I said, I said, Michael, have you accepted Jesus before? He goes, yeah, Dad. Like, a bunch of times. <laughs> and I was like, so you basically get saved every Sunday at church. You know, like when I, he's like, yeah, you know. I can't tell you how many times I've accepted Jesus. I really love Jesus. I'm really passionate about him. I love coming to church. I love being with you. I love celebrating him. But I can't tell you how many times I would walk out the door on Sunday morning and just go, oh, how does any of this matter? Is my life going to be any different this week? Is Tuesday going to be any different? Is, is Friday going to be any different? Like, I, I know I smoke cigarettes, and the only reason I smoke them is because I'm stressed out all the time. Will this ever end? I think these are the thoughts that we walk out every Sunday with. Is, is it ever going to change? I want to say to you today, I don't think we know how to use the gifts that God's given us. It's like, um, <laughs> I was talking to Todd last week, okay? Todd was talking about this new kid. Was he 20? Yeah, a 20-year-old kid that works at his, uh, at his job. And um, he told uh, the kid, he said, hey, I need you to go um, put some bolts and wrench down these bolts. And the kid looked at Todd and was like, um, like, what's a bolt? And like, what's a wrench? And he like, had zero concept of what Todd was doing. We just need to pray for that, okay? I mean, seriously. But God gives us tools and gifts. We just need to learn how to use them. How do we make them work and function in our life? Okay? Four things, and it won't take long. Okay? Four things. Number one is this. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 through 3. We're just going to say in Colossians 3 now. Okay? Colossians 3, verse 2 through 3. It says this. Think about things of heaven, not earthly things. Listen, can we just be honest for a second? 99% of the things that we put in our brain comes from the world. World news, world media, social media, world music. It comes from the world. It is really tough to keep your eyes on Jesus if the only thing you're putting before your eyes, which your eyes are a gate to your soul, to put before your ears, and your ears are a gate to your soul, if that is all you're ever putting before your eyes and yourself, it is really hard to think about the things of heaven. You got to think about things like, listen, like Jesus is coming back. I promise you. I can't, listen, I, it's not September 23rd, okay? If anybody has told you that Jesus come back on September 23rd, it's not, okay? And the Bible says, and I'll tell you why. The Bible says that Jesus doesn't know the day. So if Jesus doesn't know the day, how in the heck do millions of people in the world know, okay? It's just not true. Just make it, everybody's like, oh, crap, Saturday's coming, you know? It's not coming. But I'm telling you, it's close. Oh, man. Oh, just wait till we do a series on, on end times. I mean, guys, it is so close. What do I got to think about? I got to think about, man, I'm going to heaven. 
I got to think about that. My, I'm going to spend eternity. So this life on earth is a vapor. It's a moment. It's here. It's gone. Heaven is forever. Now on the other side of this, though, hell's forever too. This is why the word is pleading, pleading with you today. If you are in here today and you are far away from Jesus, I plead with you, plead with you to accept the grace of God. Time is not on your side. Verse 3, it says this, for you died to this life. Your real life is hidden in Christ, in God. Okay? So there is a life inside of me that is in Christ that comes out when I behold him. The problem is I behold all kinds of other things. So, like, for instance, like when it's football season and college football comes and the NFL comes, especially when the NBA comes because there's, you know, 32 teams and they play 82 games a year. Like, I just embrace myself in the sports center, embrace myself in the first take, and embrace myself into the radio, you know, uh, the Chris Eisen show, you know, on the radio. Like, I just embrace myself with, with sports. I, I mean, there's times that I spit out sports stats, and I'm like, why do I know this? Like, I should not know these stats. Why does this even matter? Because it's what I behold. Number two. This Colossians chapter 3, verse 7. You used to do this, these things when your life was still a part of this world. You have to realize that as I take on Christ's nature and I've accepted his grace, there's a new me. I might not feel like it all the time. And I'm not telling you that you're going to walk around feeling like it all the time. But there is an old you, an old life, and you have to disassociate yourself with that old life. I remember um, there was this website called 23isback.com. It would tell you every single pair of Jordans that were going to come out for the whole entire 12-month year, okay? And, I mean, I promise you, 23isback.com was basically like heroin to me, I promise you, okay? It was like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, ooh, I need a fix. Like, maybe, you know, like what's coming out the next month? You know what I mean? Like, I need to know, okay? And I would basically plan my whole entire year around these Jordan releases. And the reality was when it would come time to buy these Jordans, like you've heard before, we were not well off, very poor for a long time. I mean, it was like, okay, um, I can either pay my bills or buy Jordans. I can either give to the Lord or buy Jordans. And what would happen a lot of times? Um, I need the lights to work, so I'll pay the light bill. So who's going to get shorted? The Lord's going to get shorted, right? And eventually the Lord just had to show me as I beheld him, as I looked upon Jesus, oh, there's some things in my life that are my old life. Not because he hates me, not because he's mad at me, because there's freedom in the new life. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, I just, oh, I wish you could 
get this. There's freedom in your new life in Christ. Those things that you feel like you can't live without, I promise you, you can. And I promise you, there's a day where you will be on the other side and you'll go, thank God I have freedom now. Thank God that doesn't rule my life. I was at the store the other day, and this little old lady, just sweet as can be, I'm talking to her in line, we're at the gas station, and she gets up there, and she buys two cartons of cigarettes. And I'm like, you're like sweet old grandma. Like, what are you doing? She's addicted. I promise you there's freedom outside of that, old lady. Right? I think sometimes we think like God is like upset at you. He's not upset at you. He just sees you on a different day living in the victory in life that he has for you. That's all. Number three. Verse 8 says this, but now it's time to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language and greed and pride and lust and whatever is in your heart, I don't know. But the Bible says it's time to get rid of these things. And so what is this word get rid? Okay, I had to study this because I was like, how do I do this, God? How do I just get rid of these things? If I could get rid of them, I would do it tomorrow. Like, God, how do I get rid of this stuff? And so I started diving into the original language. And when I found out what the word get rid means, it means this, literally take off. Okay, so it's like this, okay? If it's a cold day, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to put on a coat. Right? So I put on a coat. I go out into the world, bear the cold, come in to elevate church where it's hot as always. Okay? I get into elevate church, and what do I do? Take off the coat. Okay? This is all the word is saying. Take off your old man. And put on righteousness. How do I put on righteousness? Well, I, I got to have the word of God. You got to have the word of God. The word of God is so powerful. When, you, when you're reading the word of God, it's like life to your soul. It's life to your body. It's life. And you see the righteousness of Christ and you go, Oh, I got to put that on. And so that's why, I mean, it's literally been three weeks now, and I've been doing this every single day where I'll get up and I'll pray, and, and I'm in the shower. And I'm like, God, clothe me in your righteousness. God, clothe me in your righteousness. Clothe me in your love today. I need to put on your righteousness so I can see myself not as I do, but as you do. Because it brings identity to my soul. Romans 13, 12 says, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on a shining armor of right living. Okay? It's not saying, <laughs> so hard to explain. Yes, there's your part and there's God's part. But you've got to put on God you got to put them on. 
You got to clothe yourself with him. It's the only way. Romans 13, 14, it says this. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a reason we worship on Sunday morning. We worship to be in the presence of God. When I'm in the presence of God, I become who I am. I find my identity. I find truth. I find peace. I find joy. When you put on the presence of God, you're putting Jesus on you. But you can't just do it on Sunday morning. You got to take it into Tuesday. And you got to take it into Friday. And somehow, when you've had the worst day of your life on Tuesday, you got to figure out, how do I find the presence of God Tuesday night before I go to bed? Because I need to put on his peace. I need to put on his joy. I need to put on his love. I need to be able to rejoice in every circumstance in my life. Because isn't that the question? We read a great verse and go, is that really obtainable? Could I really be that? Yes. God wouldn't have said it if you weren't able to do it. God would never say something that you weren't able to do. So when it talks about lust, what is God saying? I'm going to empower you so you don't have to fight with this your whole life. Amen? Worship team, you guys can come on up. Number four, verse 10. Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and to become like him. I love that. Learn to know your creator. You can't serve a God you don't know. I'm sorry. You just can't. I can't be in relationship with my wife unless I go on dates. We had the marriage group at our house on Friday night, and um, I just I looked at all the guys, and I said, shame on you if you're not dating your wife. And it was like a bomb went off, you know what I mean? It's just like body parts are flying, you know what I mean? Somebody's got something stuck in their eye. and I mean, it's the truth. Me and Jess always talk about this. Like, what's going to happen when we're, like, 60 and, like, we're sitting at the restaurant by ourselves? You know what I mean? Are we going to be that old couple that's just kind of like, how's the soup? You know what I mean? <laughs> she does love soup, you know? <laughs> the only way that we're going to get to 60 someday and be in love is if I still date my wife. Right? So how do I get to 60 and love Jesus? It's a relationship. You can't serve a God you don't know. How are you supposed to feel righteous when you don't have a revelation of righteousness? You can't. You've got to know your creator. Romans 5, verse 17, it says this, For the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace, a gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. It's a gift. Righteousness is this gift, and it's sweet, and it's amazing, but it's a gift that we got to learn how to use. 
We got to learn how to have it function in our life. We got to learn how it works on a daily basis. And if it starts working on a daily basis, all of a sudden you'll start going, wow, there is freedom. There is a thing called freedom. There is a thing called freedom over my sin. There is a thing called freedom over lust. There is a freedom. I can be free, not through my strength, but through his strength, because I have found who my creator is, and I have found my identity, and I have found the source of my life. And as I behold him, as I look upon him, I become more and more like him. Would you stand up this morning? You know, when I was growing up in church, uh, I think, like, if you didn't pray like an hour a day, you know, it was like, you are not holy, <laughs> you know? Uh, if you didn't read 14 chapters a day, oh, gosh, God was upset at you, you know what I mean? I want to make this abundantly clear about as I'm talking about beholding Jesus. There's so many ways to behold Jesus, okay? I love, I love podcasts, okay? I love podcasts. Listen to this podcast. It's a good one, I promise you, okay? But there are, there are literally hundreds of great pastors around this world that I listen to all the time to keep my mind on Jesus, okay? Sometimes I get into this moment where I'm going to worship the Lord and pray, and I'm in there for, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm in there for an hour or more, okay? But then there's other days... As soon as I open up my mouth and I go, God, I love you, I need you, I worship you, it's like, the, oh, my gosh, it's just like he's all over me. And 15 minutes later, I've, I've gotten everything I needed for that day. There's no perfect rhyme or reason to this. It's just, let's just behold Jesus. Let's just look to him every day. Let's just put our eyes on him. Let's, let's, let's take the word of God, this beautiful book, this gift that God's given us, you know, if you're like, I don't know what to read, man, read Romans, and then read Romans again, and then read Hebrews, and read Hebrews again, and then read the Gospels, and read it over again, and find out who this Jesus is, because he will reveal himself to you. He will show himself clearly to you. Amen?